Welcome, Bears fans, to a stack of Bears cat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, we're two jamokes who weep for the future after the game so you don't have to. <laughs> uh, uh, Jim, you got our uh, business? Yeah, so thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. Um, you can download us off the Apple Podcast app, the app uh, Spotify, or anywhere else they get your podcasts. So I guess the topic of conversation is obviously that Bears-Vikings game last night, which was kind of funny because going into the game, I had all these ideas in my head for why the game was going to be another nationally televised embarrassment and why the Bears were going to have absolutely no chance to win the game. It all turned out to be true, but not necessarily for the reasons that I was expecting. Like, as we all know, the Bears' entire defensive secondary was out with COVID. So I assumed that the Vikings were going to go ahead and just run up 40 points and just be passing at will against the Bears' practice squad. That's not really what happened. The defense actually showed up and played a really good game, but the offense was just a complete comedy of errors. I don't know that we have enough time on this podcast to break down every single thing that went wrong on Monday night, but it was just hilarious. I mean, you you talk about how terrible the Bears are, and sometimes they're just so bad that all you can do is laugh. And I got to that point a a couple times during the game last night. It was was a really, really difficult watch. Yeah, um, for the the second week in a row, um, it it was tough for me to try and make it through the fourth quarter. They... There was, it's like you said, it it almost was football follies at times, except infuriatingly so. Uh, The the fact that we had to watch the Bears shoot themselves in the foot over and over again, um, and the, uh, while the officiating to me was among the, the worst of the games this year, um, in retrospect, uh, the they did a they did a pretty good job of 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 messing it up entirely on their own without the help of the officials. Uh, I thought, though, you know, some of the uh, I, I thought that some of the flag fest was getting pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the game first of all just felt interminable. I mean. It, it was like at the end of the third quarter, I looked down and I had been watching this game for two and a half hours and it felt like <laughs> I'd been sitting there all day. I mean, it was just such a brutal watch and I just turned over to the people I was watching the game with and I was like, oh my God, we have another 15 minutes of this. How it it, it felt like it, it lasted just, forever. It did. I mean, it felt like the game went on for eight hours, even though it didn't. It was just that brutal and... Yeah, the officiating was, was horrible, too. I mean, the call on Beyond Bush was just ridiculous. And I think that there's enough commentary on that that we're not really going to get into it. But like you said, I mean, the officials were not the reason the Bears lost the game. Correct. The Bears were completely incompetent on offense. And each time they had a chance to score and put points on the board, they found a new way to screw it up. It was and unbelievable. It just... Yeah, it really was. It was. I mean, you go through the check boxes of, or the checklist of all of the different ways that a team can 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 make a mistake offensively, and, and you pretty much ran down the entire list. It was just a, a, a terrible watch, and you know, I, I think the the natural place to start is Justin Fields because I, I didn't think he played really well, and he, he made some nice throws, but he also made some really really critical mistakes yes. that ended up costing the Bears points and. You know, it's, it's getting to the point this year where it, it's hard to explain why things haven't gotten any better. It almost feels like it's regressing a little bit. That's really a, a frustrating situation to be so, in. So my cousin uh, from Chicago, uh, my cousin Neil, uh, hit me up after the game. And he just said the, the, the level or the, the total lack of discipline shown by this team yeah. is 
I, I don't remember it being this bad for quite a while. I know that Tressman uh, had a lot of issues with that, but you know, this is to me, this is where the the wheels of the wagon have completely come off. Well, the Tress, Tressman was all off the field stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm not going to go back and break down tape from the 2014 Chicago Bears, but I don't remember it being a constant on field, you know, stream of stupid penalties and fumbles and ridiculous play calls. I remember that being mostly off the field ridiculousness, which had to be dealt with, and it was. But right. With Nagy, I mean, and even he, he got a 15-yard penalty last night. I mean, I understand that you, you want to be there for your guys and you want to tell the refs how ridiculous that call against Deion Bush was, and mm-hmm. it was a terrible call. But you can't get a 15-yard penalty. I mean, you're the head coach. Your team is going to emulate your personality. And I, I felt like that he was completely disoriented during the game last night and I felt like the team kind of followed suit there I mean there was just so much disorganization so many stupid penalties so many just laughably incompetent moments during the game that it it just kind of left all the Bears fans looking at each other like what are we even doing here yes you know it it, it just it it's to the and it would be one thing if it was just this game but this is something that we have seen repeated over and over this uh, this year. Uh, I I don't know how you 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 go past Cleveland uh, that that game. Uh, the utter lack of uh, coaching and, and discipline in that game was was terrible. Uh, but uh, this is a new this that one was more just utter lack of game plan. This one is the the team was playing in a, in some form of chaos, and I mean football. Everything about I was listening to George Carlin last night uh, talk about football, and one of the things he said is, you know, football is on this on this you know rectangular field, and everything is boxed and it's measured by inches and. Everything is regulated and structured, right? And there was just none of that. <laughs> it was just like, no. it was just total free-for-all. So it felt like, I mean, the play that really stands out to me is the Travis Gibson unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Yes. And I, I, I would have to imagine that at that point the defense was frustrated because I think that was the third time during that drive by the Vikings that the defense had gotten off the field Twas. and there was a penalty called. I, I know there was, I know that was the same drive as the Tabor block below the waist. Right. Penalty, which Outside the know, tight end box. I didn't know that was a rule. If, if that's truly the correct interpretation of that rule. It that is. It's, rule. it's a, it's a new rule and it's, it's to protect the linemen not not the running back behind the lineman. It it it's to it's so that D backs don't rush the line and chop block linemen on the outside. And it's and the fact that Tabor barely even made contact with the lineman made it a ridiculous call. It reminded me of the James Daniels uh phantom call against Pittsburgh. It was like yep. I understand if you, if you're going by a strict interpretation of the rule that maybe that's the correct call. Yep. But you gotta use common sense a little bit. It's not like Tabor was going to take out the lineman's legs. He was trying to avoid the block to make a tackle. I mean, there has to be some sort of uh, there has to be some sort of room for nuance here. But correct. Anyway, I mean, I mean, the officiating was was horrible. I mean, it, it was it was bad all night long. I actually thought one of the worst calls was the first play of the game when uh, Tevin Jenkins got called for holding. I didn't. It was, was terrible. I thought that was a ridiculous call. I was but, watching the game with a Vikings fan, and even he said, "That's an awful call. That's that's terrible." I mean, the the thing was, is it immediately robbed our momentum right there, and he took a first down away, and we ended up going three and out. 
Yeah, I mean, the, with as bad as the Bears are, the margin of, of error is so small that any sort of negative call from the officials is going to become, you know, more more outsized in importance just because they're so they're at, they're at such a dis- disadvantage from a talent standpoint. Right. But you know, like like we said, I mean, we, that's not the reason the Bears lost the game. I think, I mean, Justin Fields. I, I'm not saying Fields is the reason that they lost solely. But he, he made some pretty critical mistakes, and it, it's frustrating to see because at this point of the year, I'd really hoped that we'd be in a position where he was showing some noticeable progress. Yes. And he made some good throws, but, I mean, the fumble where he was... Ball security. Was, ...was brutal. Yes. Like you gotta you got to protect the ball better than that. Yes. It, the ball security problem, it, it has... Um, it, at, at first, I felt like it was the exception, and it has grown into uh, a regularity that I certainly am not comfortable with. And, you know, guys out there, we're not saying that we don't believe that Justin Fields can be the future franchise quarterback that we need him to be. I 100% still believe that. I'm just... Uh, this we feel that this is important because there were concerns and they were really blatant last night. Yeah, and I mean some of the things like him taking sacks for way too many yards lost. Yeah, feel a bit more like correctable rookie mistakes, right? I mean, at this point, like I know the jump pass that led to like a fifteen-yard sack. I mean, it's like stop doing things like that. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's frustrating, but, like, that stuff is correctable, and I, I think that he'll learn from that. The ball security thing, that's a bit more fundamental to who he is as a player. I mean, different position, but if you remember back to when Adrian Peterson was a young running back and he had a ton of issues fumbling the football? Yes. I, I remember some stories about the Vikings basically made him walk around the practice facility with a football at all times. Yes. And they would just have random people that were working for the Vikings at the time try to swat the ball out. Like, he's walking <laughs> through the cafeteria line to get lunch, and you'd just see the guy reach out from over the counter and try to smack the football with his, with his metal spoon or whatever. I mean, maybe that's what we need to do for fields, right? I mean... It's got to stop. You got to stop putting the football on the ground. I mean, that 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 play where he he lost the fumble um, when Dantzler hit him. Yeah, that was not a great. You know, that that wasn't an example of a defender running up and putting his head on the ball and knocking it out. I mean, that was very soft. Yeah, that that can't happen. Yet another play where he got sacked and he lost the ball again and he got it back. But you, you got to stop putting the football on the ground. Absolutely. I, I think the the sacks. As frustrating as they are, I think that's a bit more of a rookie quarterback situation where he's just not getting the ball out fast enough. I think that'll get better with time and with good coaching, which I don't know when we'll have good coaching here, but hopefully soon. Um, but all in all, I mean, it was an inconsistent performance, and at this point you'd like to see a little bit more positives as opposed to kind of this fluctuation between positives and negatives which is what we've kind of been seeing over the last few weeks right and so uh looking at last night um some some observations i've made through the season is it jay cutler used to believe that he could put the ball in the receiver's hands no matter where the guy was and that we know that that was a problem with his decision-making skills. Uh, sometimes, actually, he would put the ball there, but the receiver would drop it. But to me, as a quarterback, as as the starting quarterback, you should know what your uh, what the guys that are catching the ball. You should know what their limitations are. You, you should be around them enough to understand what you got to do to get them the ball. Because twelve does it all the time, no matter who they put out next to him, right? But there are no, there, there's no shortage of limitations yeah. with this receiving staff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's awful. It, we, it, we, we don't have to convince anybody. It's one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL. There's no question. But um, uh, one of the things, what I was leading up to was Fields has this 
ultra confidence about his running ability. And I've seen him more often than I like get caught uh, from behind by, by D tackles and D ends because he feels that he is running fast enough to get away from those guys, but he's either running out of field or he's not doing it fast enough. And he's ending up with sacks that he should be, as you were alluding to, we, we should be seeing him either dump that ball off, uh, tuck it, and run with uh, a true, earnest run. You know, hey, if you're, if you're going to tuck it and run, run it! Don't, don't sit there and hedge, because you're hedging and you're losing. Uh, you are, you're not winning uh, that one skirmish. Uh, and then if you and, and then if, it, if both of those fail, chuck the ball away. Get rid of it. You cannot, as a starter in the NFL, take 25-yard losses or whatever they are. Certainly not two in one game in less than 10 minutes, right? You, you can't do that. You, we want to see you be successful, but you got to be smarter than that. Yeah, and I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I had hoped would have been coached out of him by now, right? Like, the 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 20-yard sacks are something that if it had happened in his first three or four starts, I would have said, okay, that's fine, he's going to learn. I mean, the fact that we're here towards the end of the year and that's still happening is unfortunate. Yes. You know, we can, we can debate until we're blue in the face whether that's his fault, whether it's the coaching staff's fault, whether it's the fault of the talent around him. I'm sure there's plenty of blame to go around, but you would hope by now that those kinds of mistakes would not still be happening. Right. It's unfortunate that they are. I mean, like you said, right? I mean, it, it seems like he's just not making decisions quickly enough. The thing that is encouraging is I haven't seen that many examples of him putting the ball in obvious harm's way. There's been a few. He's made some bad throws, but for the most part, it seems like He's pretty good about protecting the ball once he actually gets it out. Agreed. The, 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 the fumbling is a major concern. And I agree with what you're saying, too, where it seems like sometimes he's just dead set at the start of the play that he's going to run the ball. I mean, if he's going to be the franchise quarterback here for the next 15 years, I don't know about you, but I don't want him running the ball all that much. I understand that there's times that you're going to have to, but he's got a good enough arm that it shouldn't necessarily be, oh, my first read is not available, so I'm going to tuck it and run. Correct. He's got a strong enough arm, and he seems like a smart enough guy that he should be able to be a very, very successful pocket passer. It's just, A, is the game moving a little bit too fast for him right now? B, is this offensive system something that any quarterback could be successful in, you know, and, and those are the things that we're going to have to sort out. I mean, it's interesting. I, I was kind of hoping in these last four games that he would show some obvious progress just because they're playing the Vikings twice, the Seahawks and the Giants, and none of them are really intimidating defenses. And, you know, one game is gone and I didn't really see anything noticeable. Once again, some good throws, but a lot of bad too. Yeah. And so it's frustrating, right? I mean, it's kind of at the point now where you hope he gets through these last three, he doesn't get hurt, and then let's go into the offseason, let's hire a new coach, and let's actually try to develop a season plan around Justin Fields as opposed to what the Bears tried to do this year with Andy Dalton. Right. Let's see how that goes. But, you know, so far I'd say as high as I've been on Justin Fields, and like you said, I'm not – necessarily discouraged about him as the franchise quarterback i'd kind of hope to see more at this point yeah and you know um one of the things is he's sure he uh you were uh you were noting this he's certainly shown that with his arm that he can kill you uh there's no there's no doubt about that he has good vision um he, he his ball placement is excellent uh he's showing uh the strength of his arm um, and, uh, and, and taming that with his accuracy, uh, 
And we recognize, both of us recognize, and Bears fans in general recognize, that the offensive line in front of him is pretty terrible, and uh, the... The, the receiving core that he, or the lack of receiving core, is evident. But he has to take care of the things that he can take care of. And that's, that's the things that I felt like there were several of them on display last night. Now, I don't feel like he's uh, been as uh, guilty as some of, uh, of some of those things as he was last night. And it was probably amplified. Uh, being on national te- on ch- national television, but he has to. Uh, some of these things have reared their head before, and he has to start uh, making serious adjustments. Whether they're whether he's playing with a lack of playmakers around him or not, there is no reason for him to take those long sacks. And yeah, I cracked up when he did the jump in the air thing. Okay. Every once in a while, even the best players make mistakes. It kind of remind it kind of reminded me of up down in the NBA. <laughs> but, but just as you said that, do you remember like ten years ago when Eli Manning tried to make a left-handed pass in the end zone <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it got intercepted? Like you know, it, it's going to happen. Players are going to make bad plays, but with the fields, right? Like stay on your feet. Like once you go into the air you've eliminated any possibility of you being able to do anything other than what you had originally decided to do, right? Like, you, you got to stay on your feet. And, you know, at, at this point in the season, the Bears are done. I mean, they're mathematically eliminated after the loss last night. But yeah. even going into last night, it's not like the team was playing for anything. We all knew the season was over. Just throw the ball away. Just, yeah. You know, stop doing things that, are obvious rookie mistakes. That's, and let me let me plug something in there real quick. Um, one of the things uh, that I was concerned about when I was doing um, a draft review uh, of the quarterbacks was Fields transition to the NFL, um, specifically the the change that he was going to have to go through. Uh, in the fact that at o- in his career at Ohio State, he had a wall in front of him, and he had unbelievable uh, players to be throwing the ball to. He had serious weapons when you consider the level of competition that he was playing at. And now he's come to a team who uh has a soggy wall <laughs> and uh definitely the uh, a big step down in in weapons around him and i wonder how much that has affected him yeah i mean that's the biggest adjust- adjustment from going from college to pros right like in the pros you're always on a level playing field i mean we talked about this with Urban Meyer, for example, right? Like when you're at Ohio State, you have a obvious talent advantage over any team that you're playing. And the same goes for the quarterback position, right? I mean, yeah. you can talk about Justin Fields. You can talk about Trevor Lawrence. You can talk about Zach Wilson. I mean, these guys that came from programs like when I talk about Wilson, he came from BYU. That's not a powerhouse. But when you look at their schedule, in most games, they're still at a talent advantage compared right. to their opponents, right? Like, when you're in the NFL, that's not the case. I mean, the, the, the average margin of victory in the NFL is like a touchdown, right? Like, right. teams are typically pretty close when it comes to talent when we're talking about professionals. I mean, there's obvious... Any given Sunday. Right? Like, the Bears losing to the Bucks, Like obviously outclassed right but like you like you say right any given Sunday, i mean the lions just beat the cardinals yesterday right so when you're at effectively a midpoint from a talent perspective you need to go out there as the quarterback and give your team some sort of on the field advantage right that's the biggest difference that's yes. why so many quarterbacks that are drafted highly fail and you know i i think with fields right like I, I had hoped that he would be the guy that at this point would be showing examples of him being able to give the Bears that advantage. 
and it hasn't necessarily come to fruition, unfortunately. Um, I, I think that he's working with less than a stacked deck from a talent standpoint around him and from a coaching standpoint, certainly. Right. We've, we've gone on and on about this coaching staff. It's terrible. But, you know, like you said, there are things that are in his control that are still not being done correctly, and that's a little frustrating. Yeah, and, you know, um, to touch on what you were saying about college, you know, he, he went to one of the schools that is stacked every year uh you know we're both big 10 fans and we know that it's been ohio state and the rest for a long time and i've always been frustrated by that and i don't see any uh into that coming anytime soon they're they're stacked every single year and you know, uh, along with uh, other some of the other uh, really big power schools like Alabama and uh, Oklahoma, uh, you know, they're always going to have um, you know a serious a serious amount of all American kind of players and huge depth behind them. But you don't have that in the NFL. It, it, it just doesn't exist because everybody is so good. We, we, can, we can forget that when we're watching the game. Everybody is elite. And so while even the, the guy that, you know, we, we, like when, we, when we talk about Kendall Vildor of Westeros, yeah, well, you know what? Uh, it's pretty incredible that he made it from uh, Connecticut into the NFL. That 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 speaks pretty huge volumes of what kind of skills he must have. Yep, and you know it. it, it it's the reason why it, it is such a huge adjustment, right? I mean, you've got to go out there and win with X's and O's and with on the field judgment, right? Yes. In, in college, right? If, if Justin Fields playing for Ohio State is lining up against Rutgers. <laughs> Those are two teams that are not playing a level playing field. Northwestern. Uh, so yeah, Northwestern. I mean, look at what happened when Fields went up against Alabama in the national championship a couple years ago. Yes. Alabama dominated Ohio State because every person on that roster was going to the NFL. <laughs> and Ohio State, while they were awesome, just didn't match up. So, I mean, you that, I mean, in, in the NFL, there's obviously talent discrepancies. There are teams that are better, better than others, but it's a much more level playing field. And that's why coaching and intelligence on the field are, are so important. And, you know, I, I still have a lot of faith in, in fields. I, I think he's shown me a lot this year just in his intangibles, if nothing else. I think he's made some really great throws when he's – you know, been on the field, and I think we even saw some of that last night. I mean, some smoking throws, dropping back and trusting what he saw, and he made some some really nice throws. Yeah, there, there's just been a lot of negatives too that you hope go away. But you know, I I, I, I think it, it's going to be so interesting with him because the Bears are about to fire Nagy. They're going to hire a new coach. Right. We're, we're going to see going into next year what it looks like because. Going into 2022, the entire offensive, or sorry, the entire offseason plan, the entire preseason, the entire season are going to revolve around Justin Fields. Should. The entire program should be trying to get the most out of him because he's the most important player on this roster. Yeah. And we're going to see what happens. I'm not ready to give up on, on Fields yet. I know there's been a lot of national commentary. About right. how he hasn't played well and how his numbers don't look good. And they don't. I mean, there's no argument that it hasn't been great. But but like his numbers, like his numbers, I, I think that his numbers don't tell the whole story. I think he actually has done uh, quite a bit better than, than the numbers tell. Um, and I, I think we were both just touching on it. He is, he can kill you with his legs. He can kill you with his arms. He he does have good vision, but yeah, it's some of those simple it's some of those simple mistakes that he's uh, he's got to address. One of the things I did want to touch on real quick is obviously we're seeing an influx of players uh, that uh, uh, we haven't got to see. Uh, speaking specifically 
um, about last week, uh, Tevin Jenkins came on. This week, we see Thomas Graham. And while uh, Tevin Jenkins has had uh, pre two pretty poor uh, uh, beginnings, um, I actually see some light there. Uh, I do see... Number one, I don't know how you don't notice that guy's size and agility. Um, he's he, he looks like a very strong man amongst strong men. Yep. And you know that the, the um, uh, I I feel like uh, against some some pretty stiff competition, he he's been doing he's been showing glimpses. Um, whether he's going to be our, uh, new left tackle, I have no idea. Uh, but I, I do feel considering how, uh, this played out, um, it's, it's to me, he's shown some, uh, he's shown some ability and some toughness. Uh, and then, you know, last night we see, uh, Thomas Graham, I was I loved the Thomas Graham pick when we made that pick uh, in the offseason. Um, and he uh, missed uh, his last season um, at Oregon. So that was one of the reasons that he dropped as far in the draft as he did. But I, I remember uh, both McShay and Kuyper talking about him as, a, you know, a, a great steal uh, for being a, a sixth or seventh. Was he a seventh? I think he was a seventh round pick, and um, sixth round, sixth, uh, sixth round. round, and and he he played pretty well against one of the one of the best guys in the NFL. Yeah, so let's. I'll start with Thomas Graham, and uh, we'll circle back to to Jenkins, right? So with Graham, he played a really good game last night, and like you, he, he you know I I kind of read the draft and had seen that he was a player with some potential. So it was kind of odd that he spent all year on the practice squad. Why? It took a COVID outbreak to get him on the field. Why? And, you know, and yeah, I mean, like we're, I, we're not the only ones that I heard from last night that were like, why did it take so long to get this guy out there? Because the Bears cornerback play this year has been horrible other than Jalen Johnson. I mean, you had Vildor and Shelley and all these other guys that have just been absolutely terrible out there. And it's not a good look when a guy comes up from the practice squad who's been there available to you all year and he's out there just cracking guys and covering Justin Jefferson and making plays out there. I mean, we'll see, right? I mean, you know, maybe he'll get a couple of games on film and he'll end up being terrible too. But he certainly had some flashes last night that led you to ask, hey, you've had this guy available all year. Maybe he wasn't ready to go week one, but why did it take until the 14th game of the year to get him on the field? I'd be interested to know because, I mean, Sean Desai is going to get asked that question this week, and ultimately I hold Desai responsible for not having him on the field if he was ready to go because Desai is the leader of the defense, right? I mean, Matt Nagy's not a defensive coach. I put decide as the main you know point of talent evaluation on this right and so it'll be interesting to know what decide says whether it's the usual gobbledygook that you get from football coaches or whether there's an answer of any substance that he he gives but i mean i, I love seeing him out there he, he should certainly be starting at cornerback opposite of jalen johnson for the last three games and we'll see what he could do because he certainly showed more flashes last night than Vildor or Artie Burns or anybody else that we've seen out there this year. I actually think that um, uh, last night uh, Artie Burns actually played pretty well, too. Um, Burns, Burns was out, wasn't he? Oh, I thought, uh, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe he was out. Who was the other one? One of the other corners played pretty decently, too. Is it Christian? Maybe it was Christian. Um but one of the other corners, I, I, I felt like was doing okay. I mean, overall, I felt like our our secondary did did pretty well considering, right? I mean, well, the, the the Vikings game plan was hilarious. It's like oh, the the entire secondary, which by the way, the secondary is 
already terrible, even when the starters are there. <laughs> right. Their entire, their entire right. secondary is out. You know what we're going to do? We're going to establish the run. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's hilarious, right? I mean, even I know they're going to say, well, it worked and they won the game. But, you know, if the Bears were anything other than completely incompetent, the Bears would have won that game easily, right? So you can you can take your, your stupid running game and, and, and shove it, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it was fun seeing those guys out there at least because maybe it was just uh, the atmosphere. You know, it's Monday Night Football. A lot of these guys were getting their first NFL playing experience and they were just kind of out there. But, you know, it was, it was fun to watch. Um, you also brought up Kevin Jenkins, and I actually thought he played pretty well last night. I did. So he, he, he had the three penalties. The, the first one was the holding penalty, which we've already kind of touched on. I thought that was a terrible call. The second one was the false start, which can't happen. Right. And, you know, the third one was the play where he was trying to defend Justin Fields and ended up throwing a punch. I'm curious, what was your reaction to that one? That seems to be the, the one that's up for debate the most. Yeah, um, uh, he he is... Well, before we drafted him, he was known to be a, a pretty fiery player, um, which is great. Uh, I I applaud you, but use that in play. Um, again, we I, I'm going to put some of that squarely on that young man's shoulders. You have to be smarter than that. And it was interesting watching a Fetty go right up to him and basically say that, hey, get your head on. Get get your head screwed on straight right now. We we can't be dealing with that, right? Um, at least that's the way I interpreted uh, that exchange. But you know, uh, the thing is, is that um, you know Jenkins uh, is is a young, fiery kid, but he's got to be smarter than that. You don't let those guys go. Do you? now uh, how that exactly happened to me? Um, I, I know I. I, I I think it's great that he wants to defend his uh, quarterback, and uh, man, that um, while while that uh, that shove out of bounds uh, was legal, um, I, I certainly felt like at least it was unnecessary uh, at at that point in the in the tackle, and uh, and, and you know Jenkins is like, hey, uh, don't don't treat my quarterback that way, but. You got to be smarter than that. Well, so here's the thing, right? Like, the reason he got the flag is because he threw a punch. Right. Like, he didn't get the flag because he went up and got in the guy's face. I actually like seeing that. And I wish more of the Bears' offensive line had been over there defending the quarterback, right? Right. Because I I saw one picture, and it was basically Tevin Jenkins and, like, six Vikings players. It's like, where is the rest of the offensive line yeah. making exception to that hit? And you can go over there and you can get in that guy's face and you're not going to get a flag. Where you got the flag is because you punched the guy. And I actually think he was lucky he didn't get ejected. Like, as soon as they threw the flag, I'm like, oh my gosh, he just punched the guy in the face. He's going to get thrown out of the game. Right. You can't do that. And he was retaliating because he got punched first. Right. As all of us have been taught since the beginning of time the person that retaliates is always the one that's going to get in trouble right? second guy gets like, it was smart as soon as that guy had thrown that punch at him he would have thrown his hands up and made a big scene and he probably would have gotten a flag against richardson who, who was the guy that threw the punch but I, I don't have a big problem with him going over and defending the quarterback I actually like that i just think you got to be smarter than throwing a punch you just yeah. can't do that and, yeah you know he's like like i said it's lucky he didn't get ejected yep overall i mean in the first two games that Jenkins has played, I know he's gotten a ton of penalties. I, I've been encouraged, I would say. I mean, last <laughs> night I thought he blocked really well. I have been uh, encouraged. And and that's honestly more than I was expecting to see from him this year. I was expecting him to play zero snaps as soon as he had back surgery. Yep. And so the fact that he's going to get five games worth of experience, I guess, is more than I was expecting. Yep. The other thing I want to kind of circle back to a little bit on that is I feel like it's kind of on tape now that defenders can hit fields without getting a flag. Man, is of, that raunchy or I what? Know, I know Kendricks. Yeah, I know Kendricks got that got ejected, and that one was egregious. But 
when you look around the league and you see some of the flags that are thrown for other quarterbacks, yeah, like I don't understand why it's okay that Fields just completely is getting pummeled after he gets rid of the ball as he's running out of bounds, whatever the case might be. It just seems like there's a different standard there. Yeah, and it's frustrating. It, it, the um, I I've seen the exact same thing. Uh, makes me think of Cam Newton. Uh, when yeah, Cam was uh, early in his um, in his career, and he was getting smoked, and he's he's bigger than uh, than Fields is at least you know thicker, right? A stouter, a stouter player, and um, you know it got to the point where the, the it, it it was almost superseding the sport as far as news, like uh, you know this quarterback. It, it's getting ridiculous now. The the way he's uh, getting treated on the field, and I do. I I realize that you and I are biased, and we see it through orange tinted glasses. But there has been some uh, ridiculous, uh, the, some ridiculousness to this, and um, you know it, it's uh, it, it's when uh, uh, Roethlisberger uh, gets hit, and it's a weak hit, and we get we get the the penalty. And then T.J. Watt clobbers Fields in front yeah. of the ref well after he got rid of the ball and nothing happens. And, and Fields yeah. is going up to him at the end of the game like, hey, ref, you know, what? where's the love, man? I mean, come on, you, I, you know, I got clobbered there. And, uh, you know, nothing happens. Well, uh, I felt like that was on display last night. I do feel... That Kendrick's uh, hit was egregious. Um, I do feel that he could have avoided that. Uh, the commentators, I heard them say point blank that they felt he could have avoided that. Um, I think that he should be suspended uh, for uh, that hit. But, um, you know, I, I, I was happy that the, the refs at least ejected him for it. Interesting uh, to watch him uh, watch to, walk toward the sideline laughing about the whole thing and then give high fives uh, about uh, about hitting another player in uh, helmet to helmet and leaving him uh, almost uh, knocked out cold on the field. Um, was that just me or did it seem like for a few seconds there he just kind of laid there completely laid out and like no one did anything about it? Oh, yeah, I mean, watching it live, I was getting flashbacks to, like, Teddy Bridgewater, right? Like, remember when he got oh, yeah. at, uh, at TCF Bank Stadium? Yeah, just, and that was egregious. Oh, I, I don't, I didn't, I don't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't cheering for the Vikings in that game, but I sure was cheering, like, are you kidding me? Get, get eject that guy, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and the Kendricks thing, I mean, the guy's sliding and he just take your helmet and you just ram it right into his head. I mean, of course you're going to get a penalty. I don't, I don't know what in the world he was even arguing there with the officials. I mean, I agree. He's going to get a huge fine, and I wouldn't actually be surprised if he gets a suspension. I mean, he probably won't because he's a veteran player and he was hitting a rookie, which shouldn't matter, but, you know, that's the way the NFL operates. Um, but that that one was, was bad. But like you said, I mean, there's been so many other examples this year where it's like, if that exact same hit had happened on Brady or Roethlisberger or Kirk Cousins or Herbert or any of these other guys, or twelve you know, officials, officials can't wait to throw a flag when a quarterback gets hit. Where's that for Justin Fields? And people are going to say, "Well, he's got to earn that." I mean, that that just doesn't make any sense. That's I mean, BS. Yeah, they're all playing the same position. I mean, it, it, it's it's ridiculous. If you're gonna if you're going to throw it for one guy, you should throw it for all of the guys playing that position. And, you know, maybe that's bias or maybe that's being naive or whatever the case might be. But some of the hits that have been thrown against Fields are, are, are ridiculous. And, and I hope it stops because, yeah. you know, he's, he's the franchise. Well, and um, uh, last night there was another unabated to, to Fields. And uh, like I said, I was watching the game with a friend who is a Vikings fan. And he's like, whoa. And I was like, I, I said to him, uh, and I've said this before, you as a lineman, uh, if I was a lineman coach, I would be like, I don't care if you have to grab his face mask and drag him to the ground 
you don't let a guy, a 250 to 300 pound lineman, run full speed into your quarterback. You don't let it happen. Take the penalty. It doesn't matter that much. Don't let him get clobbered. I just don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, that's got to stop. I mean, the future, the next 10 to 15 years of the Bears franchise hinges on that guy staying healthy and developing. We've already messed up one high quarterback draft pick with Trubisky, right? I mean... We can't repeat that. Otherwise, we're going to stay in the same cycle that we've been in for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. You, you can't let the guy get hurt. If, if there's a free runner going to the quarterback, you got you to gotta drag him down one way or the other. Take the 15 yards. Yes! Yes! Take the 15 yards. You know, uh, we were. Ta- I, was, I mentioned Newton. Newton is a shell of himself. He is... Uh, um, and I, and you know, they, they might, uh, it, it, you know, maybe his skills have deteriorated, but there's no way that he took all of those super bad hits for multiple seasons and it didn't affect his, his play now. No way. It doesn't work that way. Right. It, it, you yeah. and I, and, uh, have talked yeah. about how, how, uh, hard it is for, um, running backs, right? Because they just get brutalized. Well, that's the thing is, is that um, we we just can't see that for our kid. He, number one has got to be protected more than that. Absolutely. I mean, the other guy that comes to mind is Andrew Luck. Andrew I mean, Luck. He just stood back there and just took up beating for years and years and years, and eventually he was just like, "I'm done. My body can't take this anymore." Right? Like. That's the risk is that you have an awesome quarterback and you just don't surround him with any talent. I mean, that's another thing with the fields numbers from this year not being great. I mean, have you seen the situation at tackle? I mean, Peter's serviceable. There's been a revolving door at right tackle. And a lot of times the offensive game plan has not been set up to give the quarterback any sort of help. So they've just been taking hit after hit after hit. I mean, that's how you wreck a quarterback. I mean, it is. We, we've seen we've seen no shortage of good quarterback prospects get ruined by bad circumstances, and you know, it makes I hope me. That's not what happens here. I mean, I, I think we're about to waste the first year just because Matt Nagy is just not the guy. It makes I me um bring somebody else in here that's capable of developing an offense that is able to, you know, develop that quarterback and, and not let him just get killed back there time after time after time. Yeah, it, it makes me think back to um to Jay Cutler. Uh yeah. I mean some of the hits that Jay Cutler took were unbelievable, you know? Um but it, it, you know, speaking about all of those guys, all of the quarterbacks, uh, you know, I'll, I'll choose D, all of the above. Um the ones that jump out uh, that, you know, they're, they're showing the longevity is, is 12 and 12. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Rodgers and Brady, and what do they have in common? For the most part, for the majority of their career, they have not had that in their, in their career. Uh, do, has it happened? Sure. But most of the sacks that happened to those two guys are coverage sacks, right? They, uh, you know, they're dancing around in the pocket and eventually, uh, you know, the OLB or the DE gets to them and drags them down. But most of them are not a guy running full speed into them. And, you know, that is, that's such a huge difference um, in the, in not only the abuse to their body, but to their mind, so that they're not uh, dancing around in the backfield, uh, you know, under normal pressure, under normal duress. 
those guys are dancing around in the backfield because they're making more time for their line and they're and they're keeping their eyes downfield and still looking for that guy that might be open. It, I mean, I don't know whether there's anybody better than Rodgers at doing that. He chucks the ball down the field and you're like, this isn't going anywhere. And, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling is standing there, you know? And you're like, who is that guy? Well, you know... um, you know that's that's one of the things that I hope uh, that's a problem that I uh, that I hope that Justin Fields has at some point. But right now, that's not the case, and it's just like I, I just want to reach out to Castillo and say, dude, I don't know what it is that you got to do, but trip them, clip them, bump them, hit them, do anything so that they're just not running into them like a Mack truck. Uh, I think, yeah, uh, and, go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, like when you talk about Rogers and Brady, like with Rogers in particular, there's a couple of times that stand out where he had a terrible offensive line, but that was after he was already established, right? Like you can't have the guy getting killed in his first two or three years <laughs> as QB one, right? Like that's the time that you're supposed to be developing. So like, that's a key difference there is. You know, like, Fields is, is trying to learn how to play quarterback, and I, I don't think the offensive line last night was terrible, but there have been times this year where it's been really terrible. Right. right. Like, so you, you, you got to protect him in one way or the other. I mean, whether that's keeping more guys in protection or whether that's calling more plays that are designed to have the ball out quick, like, you just can't have the guy get pummeled anymore for the first couple of years that he's here because that's the time that you are really trying to develop him so i don't know we'll see what happens i i i, I am typically skeptical with the bears because they haven't shown much ability to bring in a good surrounding cast for a quarterback but i don't know we let's hope the next regime is a little bit better well and you know along those lines um you know one of the uh, said rules uh, of playing quarterback is okay. Uh, that play didn't go so well. Uh, I threw the pick right. Um, I, I'm I'm going right on from the pick. You know, I I still I can't lose my edge. I, I still got to be looking for that touchdown. It, getting hit over and over is cumulative. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 when when you have a 300-pound guy run into you like that, that you're not going to quickly forget that. It's <laughs> just not going to happen, right? Yeah, that's, uh, what, it, that's what seemed to happen with Cutler, right? Is, you know, I, uh, people always talked about Jay Cutler, and there was always this implication that he wasn't tough. I mean, I remember that guy getting his brains beat in yes. game after game after game for years and years and years. And I don't really remember him missing a whole lot of games other than when he broke his hand, right? So, like, but with him, it was always like, it felt like some of his interceptions were a byproduct of him trying to get the ball out so fast because he knew he only had a couple of seconds to get rid of it. Right. And those are the kind of bad habits that get developed when you don't protect a young quarterback. Right. Hey, I know we're kind of I know we're kind of running short on time, so there's one guy that I, I would like to give some love to, and that's Akeem Hicks. Yes. Um, I, I was not expecting him to play last night. I was expecting him to not play again for the Bears, um, but just the fact that he was out there last night, he was just an absolute monster. He was throwing guys around and talking trash to Dalvin Cook, and he just kind of looked like his old self. I, I think that probably will be his last game as a Bear. Could I'd be. I'd be surprised if he plays in any of these last three just because they're meaningless and because the Bears have already basically said they're not bringing him back. And he acknowledged that last night after the game. He said that last night was kind of his way to say goodbye to Chicago. I, I just think that guy has been a great Bear for his time here. He's gone through mostly terrible teams and he's done nothing but show up and just play as hard as he could and be a leader and just bust his ass out there on the field and i i'm sad that he's gonna leave here playing for mostly terrible teams and never having won a playoff game and you know never 
fully being able to enjoy what I think Chicago can be when the Bears are good. Right. But I, I would be – I don't think we could go through this podcast about at least acknowledging him and just what a, what a good career he's had for this team. And, you know, I, I hope that he goes on to another, you know, franchise over the next couple of years and is in a position to – play some meaningful football in January and February and maybe even win a Super Bowl because I think he's a guy that's going to be forgotten by a lot of people because he didn't play in a lot of meaningful games but you know the guy's been here since what 2016 and he's been awesome that entire time so just I'm going to miss him I was glad he's able to get out there one last time last night yeah um I, I second everything you just said um a class act uh, a monstrous beast, uh, a, 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 a literal earthquake in the middle of the line. Uh, he, I don't know how many times when he was out there that we'd hear the commentators say, "Yeah, don't don't, don't try and run the ball at Hicks. It, it's just not going to work." You know, um, it was it, it's uh, one of the best acquisitions. Uh, either draft or free agency that um, Ryan Pace has made in his career with the Bears. Uh, Hicks, to me, is an all-time Bear. He will always be a Bear, uh, no matter who he plays for. And he has never once shown uh, a sour attitude. He's always up there pumping up the team, pumping up himself. And uh, to me... Uh, that's the that is the kind of guy that you you can't pay enough for. I'm glad that he got a second contract from the Bears. I wish his health would have uh, held up a little bit better, but there's nothing that he could do about that. He never once did he strike me as a player that um, stayed out uh, longer than he needed to. And uh, yeah, you're right. I, I didn't expect to see him on the field last night, so it was awesome to see it. The defense. Uh, really played scrappy last night. It really did um, against a very good offense. And, um, you know, I was uh, looking at the numbers today. That offense has nothing to rest its laurels on after, nothing to nothing to gloat about after their performance last night. Uh, th- none of them did doodly squat against our D. Uh, you know, the, it, was, it was about the Bears' uh, uh, squashing themselves, but uh, to watch uh, to watch those guys, um, especially with the uh, with the influx of new players, and um, uh, come out there and still uh, try and punch them, in the, try and punch the Vikings in the face. Uh, I, I thought they overall did pretty well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said, I, I was going into that game assuming the Bears were going to give up forty points. I mean, yeah, just that out man right so you know the fact that they didn't I think it's partially attributable to Mike Zimmer and his offensive coaches <laughs> being incompetent but I, I think that you know Hicks being out there that's been a pattern over the last four years in particular is when he's out there the defense just looks different I mean when he's out the defense you know has, has been pretty 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 unspectacular and to your point about him not staying out longer than he needs to, like it would have been very, very easy for him to just basically say, "Hey, I'm not going out there again this year." Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody would have even really noticed. No, and I I honestly could understand it. I mean, when you think about how physically demanding it is to play a game as an NFL defensive tackle, I mean, you're just getting the snot beat out of you for. 50 60 snaps right so uh, the fact that he went out there knowing the bears aren't gonna bring him back next year and i honestly don't even think that's that bad of a move because he hasn't been healthy for the last three years and that's just a a tough position to give a lot of money to when you've got a player that's in their mid-30s that haven't shown a ability to stay healthy but the fact that he was out there and he was leading that defense he was pumping up the fans I don't know. I I just enjoyed it because when you think about the Bears over the last five years or so, just for for people that don't have it in front of them, I mean, Hicks, his first year with the Bears was the year they went 3-13 with John Fox. That was the year before they drafted Trubisky. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, just I, I think that for that time period, I mean, really since Erlacher and Tillman and Briggs, since those guys retired, when you think about the Bears defensive players that are critical to the, the time period after that, I mean, Hicks is at the top of the list. I mean, I know you've got Mac and Eddie Jackson and Quinn. I mean, they've all had their moments, but Hicks is a guy for the last five years that's just been there and that's been playing playing his heart out for, for the orange and blue. So yeah. I'm going to miss him, like I said. I mean, I'm almost happy in a way that the Bears aren't bringing him back just because he deserves better than this franchise. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like you said, all-time Bear, so I, I – Felt it was worth acknowledging. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, um, I think you know he he was not just um, a physically dominant force when he was out there, but his mental uh, his, his mental ferocity that he brought to the rest of the D was obvious. I mean, it, it's when when he wasn't out there, all Bears fans knew it. It was like, yep, yeah, Hicks is out. You know, we're getting gashed in the middle. Hicks is out. The defense seems to be playing. You know, a a, a little a little back, a little scared. You know, Hicks is out, and it, it, it he he is um he, he is a, a great bear. Um, yeah, I, I I hope just as you do that that he he still gets some due. Um, uh, well, so well, uh, let's let's. Let's touch briefly on the on the next game. I mean, yeah, it's you know uh, again. Uh, I we've we've said this the last three games, and um, you know, really, it's it's about all we have. Uh, it's I'm going to be watching fields. Uh, that's that's the main reason I'm going to be watching the game. I want to see. Um, I, I the one thing that he can address right away. Uh, is is getting rid of the ball. Uh, I mean, it's like you are an NFL quarterback, and you know that you have to do a better job of that. There's, it, it would be one thing. Uh, it's one thing when he's getting sacked, uh, you know, getting a coverage sack. But when you're running backwards, fifteen and twenty yards, you have to get rid of that ball. I don't I don't know how you do it but you got to get rid of that ball. You got a strong enough arm that you chuck that thing and get rid of it. Stop stop the you know there's a certain place where he has to realize that he can't make a play and he's got to recoup that. Yeah, I agree. I mean that's really the biggest thing to focus on over these last 3 is how he's playing um the Seahawks defense has not been great this year. They've been better over the last few games. They're actually playing right now against the Rams. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> Tuesday night football. The Bears are going to be going into, <laughs> into Seattle. But, um, you know, I, I think other than Fields, I mean, Kevin Jenkins is a guy you've seen some promising things from. Yep. I, I, I want to see Graham play a little bit more. Yeah, than, they better uh, keep him out there. Yeah, Jalen Johnson should be back. He should be off the COVID list. So you have him and Thomas Graham out there. Maybe that's a little bit something. Um, but you know, other than that, I mean, Bears are out of it. It's a meaningless game. We yeah. haven't gotten a chance to really touch on Matt Nagy and why he's still employed. That makes absolutely no sense to me, especially because starting next week, the NFL allows you to interview new uh, potential coaches if you've already fired your coach. Yeah. So why Maggie's still employed makes no sense. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. The Bears are going to are, are gonna be themselves. And <laughs> apparently they're just committed to not firing a coach in the middle of the season. Which yeah. I, I, don't, I don't get, but whatever. It, that, you know, and that part of it is, is – Silly. I don't. I don't know whether that's you know supposed to show some kind of honor or some ridiculous nonsense like that. But uh, yeah, as you said, um, I'm 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 mostly going to ignore that because uh, I'm just waiting for him to to get fired so uh, they can go look for 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 whoever it is and and hopefully they're doing that prep work uh, already. 
But um, I yeah, he, I think he I think he probably wants to get fired. I mean, the guy looks like he's been through a presidential term. <laughs> 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 he's, he's, he's aged ten years this year, so I I I, I can't imagine that he's coached these last three games. But I don't know, man. Matt, I don't know either. <laughs> Matt Matt has has aged seventeen years. <laughs> I gotta admit, some little tiny piece of me kind of feels sorry for him looking at him last night because it was just like, yeah. it was just like, wow, man, that guy's really been through the ringer. And I, I did, I actually did um, think it was kind of cool uh, him just being like, you know, eat, eat, eat crap to the to the refs there. Um, you know, obviously. Four years as Bears coach or four years as president? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to ask President Obama that. But, uh, well, anyway, um, I, I, I think that's, uh, that's about it. Shout out to uh, all our fellow denizens over at Allery's Bar. Um, uh, we will be uh, seeing you very soon. And um, I, I'm, uh, as I said, I, I hope we uh, have a little bit more to cheer about, even if we... Uh, you know, even if they even if they keep losing, let's just see some positive play. Let's uh, let's see the team um, come out with some attitude. I do feel like that was successful last night. Uh, that, that they that at least the defense had some attitude on the field. Yep, I mean, got ten hours to go. Right, so. <laughs> <laughs> to make the most of it. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, fields than he did last night um, but other than that I mean like I said start the stopwatch because we got 10 hours left yes alright my brother um, I'm Thomas I'm Jim and uh, from uh, Bearscat we'll uh, see you guys all next week yeah. thanks everyone